I want to talk to you uh, this morning about um, uh, the message that I feel like God has laid on my heart is this, staying in alignment. I mean, alignment is really important, and I learned that lesson the hard way as a teenager who started driving. You know, funny thing, if your tires are not aligned properly in your vehicle, they wear out faster. Nobody told me that as a teenager. So I'm driving my car around, and I've got this shake in my steering wheel everywhere I drive. I thought it was normal. Like, it did it from the time I owned it. Um, And so one day I'm driving to school, and that shake kind of turns to this, kind of turns to this. Um, And I get into the school parking lot and realize one of my tires is going flat. Um, Now, this is the day before cell phones. I know it's hard for people to even imagine that world ever existed, uh, but it did. So I had to go into the school, to the office. I had to call my dad on his bag phone that he had in his truck um, and hopefully catch him, and I did. And he came up to the school and helped me change the tire because, again, nobody had really shown me how to do that either. Listen, if you got kids, teach them how to change a tire, please. For, for the love of your kids, like, show them how to do it, all right? Um, and, and so, like, my kids, I've worked really hard to do that. They know how to put air in their tires. They know how to do, I mean, listen, do your kids a favor and teach you some life skills. That was for free. Um, and, and so we take the tire off, and funny thing is, on the tire, the outside of the tread is perfect, The inside of the tread looks like race car tires. I mean, there's no tread left in there. They are smooth, and there are wires sticking out everywhere on that tire. And my dad was like, Jason, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, Dad, what is wrong with you? You never told me this could happen. And so I learned a very valuable moment, a very valuable lesson in that moment um, is because I had to put two tires on my car. And I had to get that thing realigned because I knew this. It didn't matter how good the tires were that I put on there. It was going to happen again if I did not get that thing realigned. No matter how much I desired that thing to work right, until it got into proper alignment, it was not going to work right. And, and so I want to talk to you today about our desires and what it looks like to get them in alignment with what God wants. We all have a lot of desires. Uh, I'm a Cardinals fan. I have a desire for the St. Louis Cardinals to win the World Series this year. Um, I know, woo, like I'm the only one here. It's okay. Uh, my, the first year or two I was here in the middle of Astros Nation, um, Astros fans used to give me a hard time about my team uh, cheating. But the funny thing is, the last couple of years, it's been really quiet. Like I haven't heard anybody say anything. I, I don't know if something happened or, or what that was. I thought about bringing a trash can up with me and maybe banging on it a little bit, but I mean, we'll just let that one go. Um, (laughs) Too soon? Is it too soon to mess with that one? I'm sorry. Sorry. That that we have these desires even inside of marriage, right? We have an incredible class called Getting Hitched that Pastor Rob and Missy teach. Marriage matters if you're already married. Either one is worth it because something funny happens when people get married because you bring two sets of desires together and sometimes they're not always in alignment. Like, let's just be on it. Uh, If one of you is an A&M fan and another's a Longhorn fan, there's going to be some messed up desires inside of that household, If one of you is a Texans fan and one of you is a Cowboys fan, um, I mean, I want to, I could say so many things. I'll just leave that one alone. Um, There's still going to be some messed up desires going on there. That when 
two people come together like that in marriage, a lot of times there's a desire from one of you to have one or maybe two kids. There's a desire from one of you to have a baker's dozen. I I mean, that's probably a conversation you should have before you get married, not after, right? Those are good conversations to have. When two people come together like that, often finances come from different perspectives and different desires because one of you may really like to save money. Any savers in here? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Now, some of you, on the other hand, like to spend money. Any spenders out here? Yeah, there we go. Like, I'm seeing couples, like, right next to each other, pointing at each other either way as we go here. And so if we don't figure out how to line up those desires together and get them in alignment, something's going to give somewhere along the way, right? And the reality is, in our life, our desires are no different. That, That if we don't learn the desires that are inside of our heart and how to align them with the will and the purpose of God, something's going to give somewhere along the way. If it is out of alignment, you can even have some of the best of intentions and the best of desires, but it won't matter. If it's still out of alignment with what God wants, something eventually is going to wear out. And and there's a scripture, it's one of my favorites, uh, Proverbs 4.23. We hear this a lot in church. It gets used in a lot of ways, but uh, Proverbs 4.23 says this. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Think about that for a minute. Like, listen, if something determines the course of your life, that's extremely valuable. I don't know about you, but, but I'm interested in where my life is heading and the course that my life is on. And so this scripture uh, is one that we ought to really pay close attention to. And we talk about it in church a lot. We say, guard your heart, guard your heart. But I don't think we often define and give people some skills in how we guard our heart. And, and so I want to take this moment and, and just take a, a little bit of time here to talk about desires because I believe this, aligning our desires help us to guard our hearts. If your desires are off track, your heart is going to end up off track because what you desire ends up steering the direction of your life. What you spend time thinking about gets down into your heart, comes out of your life, and has an effect on the outcome of your life. And so what we've got to learn to do is figure out how to line our desires up with what God wants so that we can guard the outcome of our life by guarding our heart. And that starts with our desires. And so I want to take a look at a a man in the Bible, David, King David, all right? Uh, Maybe some of you remember the VBS story, right? David and Goliath, woo! Like one of those great stories that I love. But there's so much about David's life that I love to study. And I believe there are some lessons that the Bible wants to teach us about our desires that come from David's life. And one of the first thing that I think I want to point out this morning about our desires and to get them lined up is this, that desire and timing go hand in hand. Desire and timing, you can't separate the two. You can have the right desire at the wrong moment and it's going to make things a mess. You can have the right desire at the right moment and you're going to have a good outcome. 
And, and David had this desire that, that I believe God had put inside of David's heart to build the Lord a temple. But, but through the prophet Nathan, this conversation takes place in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 11 through 13. And I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, if yours reads a little bit different. But the second half of verse 11 says this in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Further, the Lord declares that he will make a house for you, a dynasty of kings. Like, I find it ironic that David wants to build the Lord a house, and the Lord says, no, I'm going to build you one. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. For he is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever." See, David had a right desire, wrong moment. Essentially, what God is saying is, man, great idea, David. It's a great desire. In fact, it's even God's desire. It's just the wrong time for it. Well, what do we do in that moment where we've got a desire for something and God's like, yeah, not yet? How many of you guys as kids, was it like extremely frustrating when you would go to mom and dad and they would say, yeah, but not yet? Anybody else been there? Like, I feel like that was every trip to the toy store that we would go to, right? Like, I don't know why we ever went because we didn't get to buy anything. And it was just like looking at all of the toys. But yeah, not yet. It's the tension that we live with because we desire something, we want it, and we want it right now, and so we just think, give it to me. And so what happens when the desire creates a tension because it's not the right moment? And, and here's what I know happens. So many times when God gives us a desire, um, or he, we feel like he's telling us what to do, I think a lot of times we look at it from people that say no to God and just decide not to follow God. But here's another thing that happens. Uh, do you know we can get ahead of God just as much as we can lag behind God? Because in this moment, David could have said, oh God, I got this. I'm going to go ahead and do it, even though it wasn't God's time. Listen, it's just as dangerous to be as ahead of God as it is to tell God no and stay behind him. And, and David had to learn in this moment how to take this desire that was in his heart and allow it to come into alignment with God's timing and trust it. Why? Because this, the right desire in the wrong time can be dangerous. The right desire at the wrong time is dangerous. Listen, we have determined by the course of I'm not sure what, except every 16-year-old agrees with it, um, that at the age of 16, you've had enough time on earth to get behind a metal projectile on four wheels and go up and down the highway. I'm still not for sure I'm fully believing that, um, but when I was 16, I bought into it too, right? But what we don't do is to every 10-year-old in fifth grade to say, hey, you can hop in that same car. Let me give you a license, and you can run up and down 45 driving 85 miles an hour. Why? It, it's, a, it's the right desire. It is not the right time. That we understand timing is right. Like, like we love guns, right? Merca. Like, if you don't love guns, like, just buy all of them and give them to me then, and we'll make sure nobody else gets them. Like, we can have a conversation about that. Um, but we understand that we're not going to let a seven-year-old walk up to the counter and buy a brand new AR. 
Why? Because even though that desire is right in terms of the law of the land, it is a wrong desire to hand that thing to a seven-year-old because they are not ready for the responsibility. They are not prepared. Hear me. Sometimes God puts a desire in your heart, but it doesn't mean that you're prepared for it at that moment. Sometimes God puts that desire in your heart because he's about to use the time in between then and when it comes into his perfect time to prepare you for that moment. And so many times we want to get ahead of God and make it happen now when God's like, listen, if you would just slow down and follow me for the next two years, I'll have you prepared. So when my timing lines up with that desire, my perfect will happens and it goes right. Instead of having tires out of alignment that are worn out, you get to that moment ready to keep cruising in the direction that God has created you for because he's prepared you for that moment. And that is essentially what happens in David's life, that if you look at David's life in this moment when God said, yes, but not now. Isn't it funny how sometimes people respond in those moments? Like we get angry, we get offended, we, we, we get whatever, we pout, we, we try to force our way. What did David do in that moment? If you read the rest of scripture, David prepared for what was coming. He didn't get to build the temple, but you know what David did do? He started stockpiling building materials and silver and gold and bronze and the things that his son was going to need to build that temple because he knew that even if I'm not the one that gets to do it, I'm going to prepare myself and prepare the one that's going to follow me so that when the timing lines up with that desire, they have everything they need to do what you have created them to do. What would happen if us, instead of trying to get ahead of God or decide we are God and make the decision for ourselves, could learn in that season to trust God and not just wait, but prepare ourselves for when that becomes reality? But we don't live in a society that does that at all. In fact, we live in a society that says, if you desire it, you must have it now. So go out and buy it with three easy payments of $19.99. Just call us at this number and give us your credit card and you can have it. Right? Everything we do, every commercial you watch is built to pull on this desire in your heart that you must have it now. That iPhone you bought seven months ago is no longer good because a new one came out and you need that one. We live in a world that is made to tug at the desire string of our hearts and get us to react now. And God often starts stirring the desires in our heart because he's trying to prepare us for a moment that's going to come. And if we could learn to take the desire in us and trust the timing of God's process to turn that desire into reality. We would all be all so much better off. Those would be the moments when God could finally bless something because it's his desire that he's put in us, lining up with his timing that he's made possible. And when those two things come in alignment, something beautiful happens. It's called the will of God. And when you're walking in the will of God, there's nothing that can stop you. 
So we have to be willing to allow our desires that are in our hearts to line up with his desires, to be prepared for the season that's coming. When desire is good, but the time is wrong, use it as a season to prepare. Don't sit and do nothing. I hear so many people say that, oh, I'm just waiting on God. Don't wait on God. You can wait for the timing to come, but do something to be prepared for when the timing's right. Guess, guess who doesn't wait? Montgomery High School just played Lake Creek in the playoffs for baseball, right? Um, and, and so how, listen, those kids didn't just show up the other night for a baseball game. You know what they've been doing since, I don't even know, they probably never even stopped, to be honest with you. They've been preparing, practicing, working for that moment when it came. Listen, I'm, I'm trying my best. I have a desire to win that belt buckle. And every time some people that are in here, like, look at me and look down and look back up at me, I'm like, I know it's not there yet. Like, I have this desire, but guess what it's going to take for that desire to hit the right timing? Practice. Preparing for that moment so that when this desire comes into the right timing, I have prepared myself to be able to experience what I'm looking for in that moment. Don't wait, prepare. And as you prepare, you're moving closer to his timing. And he's going to do something beautiful with his timing and your desire if you're prepared for that moment when it comes. The other thing that, that God does is this. I think to keep us in alignment is this. Desire and boundaries have to work together. And this is the part that I think most of us are not nearly as comfortable with. It, listen to me, a desire without a boundary that can just run anywhere it is like a forest fire. It, like it's a dangerous thing if desire does not have a boundary to live within. And, and, and there was this moment that, that David had a desire, but, but he had to trust it to God's timing. And as he wrapped it around the boundaries of God, eventually that desire became reality. But here's something that we've got to catch. The desire started in David's heart. It was his son who picked up on his father's desire and made it reality. Hear me. Be careful what desires live in your heart because somebody else may pick it up and make it a reality. Listen, David did it. Like, David, this was a good, good desire. Like, let's just start there and acknowledge, okay? This was a good desire to build the Lord a temple. And if you read in Scripture, um, in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 17 through 19, it literally Solomon tells us. He says, then Solomon said, my father David wanted to build the temple to honor the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, right? David had a desire. My dad had a desire to build the Lord a temple, but the Lord told him, you wanted to build a temple to honor my name. Your intention is good. Hear me, <laughs> but you're not the one to do it. One of your own sons will build the temple to honor me. And what happened? The desire that started with David became a reality in Solomon's life. The good desires that lived inside of David became a great outcome in his son's life. But that's why we've got to guard our heart and the desires that we let in. Because I'm also 
convinced that the bad desires that we allow into our life and allow to exist may also become somebody else's reality. If you study the life of David, I find it interesting to say the least. Let's just say coincidence, if you will. I think it's more than that. David also had some bad desires. See, David had this desire for Bathsheba, who just happened to be somebody else's wife. And, and not only was she somebody else's wife, it was Uriah's wife. Like, like Uriah wasn't just a nobody. Uriah was one of David's closest companions and warriors. He was part of David's mighty men that fought with him. So, so what David did with Bathsheba was wrong on so many levels. And this desire for something wrong in David's life, I, I believe became real in his son Solomon's life in so many ways that, that I can't even begin to wrap my head around. I mean, Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. A thousand women. Like, like, just let that sink in for a minute. Like, he may have been the smartest guy in the world, but I'm telling you, that was one decision that was like, uh-uh. But what started as a wrong desire hear me, inside of David, I believe influenced the reality in his son's life. And this is one that a lot more people skip over. Listen, David had a desire in his heart for vengeance with two people that had done him wrong in his lifetime. And if you read in 1 Kings chapter 2, as David is getting ready to hand the baton off to his son Solomon... He names two people that did him wrong in his lifetime. Joab, and I'm going to like mess the name up, so I'm just going to try to read it and get it right. Joab, the son of Zariah, and Shimei, the son of Gera. And in, in 1 Kings 2, David's, some of his last words to his son were basically, make sure those guys pay for what they did to me. That I never got vengeance on them. But basically, David literally said, like, don't let them go to the grave in peace. And so a, a desire in David's heart for vengeance literally became reality in Solomon's life. And he made sure those two men died. You can read it. Like, it's there. And so many times we'll read something like that and we'll say, oh man, that was just God's will for them. Uh, hold on a second. Hear me out. And, and oh man, I, I try to say this the right way because I think people may take it the wrong way. Just because it's in scripture doesn't mean it was the will of God. Listen, there are a lot of things in scripture that God doesn't will. But he allows men free will to act outside of his will if they choose to. So, so too many people read this story and they want to give credit to God and say, oh, God was just using Solomon. To, no, 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 no. Like you're painting a picture that I'm not even comfortable connecting out of that scripture in my studies. Just because it's in scripture doesn't mean it's what God wanted. Otherwise, there's a whole lot of other bad things that happen in Scripture that we could use to justify. There's a whole lot of sexual escapades and murders and things that we read about in Scripture that, that we could use to justify the desires in our heart. 
Like we, we did use scripture to justify slavery at one point in history. <laughs> so, so we need to be really careful at how we look at these moments in scripture and make sure we have a good understanding of his word to shape the boundaries that we put on the desires that we have. And we don't look at scripture to find a way to justify the desire I have in my heart. <laughs> Two very different perspectives to approach scripture with. And in this moment, I'm telling you, part of guarding our heart is protecting the desires that we allow into our heart. And, and so one of the ways we do that is, is by guarding our mind. Yes. Hear me. You want to know how something becomes a desire? I, I believe scripture teaches this. We're going to get to it in just a minute. It, it starts in your head. And the more you think about it, it goes from your head down to your heart. I mean, trust me, like, like any of you that struggle with anxiety or, or, or worry, you know, like your, your mind starts running and pretty soon your heart starts beating and pretty soon you think like there's a creature in the closet and under your bed that are about to reach up and grab you. So you cover all the way up under the covers because you're convinced something's there even though you can't see it. Because it starts as a thought and the more we entertain the thought, the deeper it gets into our heart, the deeper it gets into our heart, eventually it comes out our mouth or our, our actions. And there's a reason in New Testament, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you three scriptures here. Uh, you can jot them down and, and go on if you want to, but, but here's what we got to do. We've got to guard against those things. Why? Because we got to guard the desires in our heart because they may turn into somebody else's reality. Hear me, guard the desires in your heart because they may turn into somebody else's reality. So you better make sure the desires that are in your heart, you want to see turned into reality. And if you don't, then it's time to do some work with God and get some desires out of your life and get the right desires in. So how do we do that? Here's how. I'm glad you asked. Mm, perfect. Listen, Romans 12, 2, they talk so much about this in the New Testament. Paul said this. He said in Romans 12, 2, that we should be transformed by allowing God to change the way we think. That part of our relationship with God means we've all got some stinking thinking that we need God to change. And that's what he said in Romans 12, 2. And then he goes on to say in Philippians 4, 8, Paul, again, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Because why? Because Jesus, all the way back in Luke chapter 6, 45, said what flows out of our mouth comes from our heart. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Hear me, you want to learn to guard your heart? Guard your thoughts. Make sure your thought life lines up with Scripture. That if it is not lovely and pure and admirable and honorable, it doesn't belong in your head. Get it out. Will thoughts pop in? Absolutely. Spend an hour in my head and you'll see 276,000 thoughts that pop in in one hour. It's insane the amount of thoughts that run through my head. But listen, we've got to do something in those moments and not let them keep going. But decide, nope, that is not lovely and honorable at all. That is not pure and that's not what God wants. I'm getting rid of that one and I'm going to put my thought life on this. Why? Because if you think about it, it gets into your heart. It comes out of your mouth and your hands. 
And so if you want to get the right things coming out of your mouth and out of your life, spend some time thinking on it so that it gets in your heart and comes out of your mouth and life. And if you want to evaluate what's really in your heart, evaluate the words that come out of your mouth. And, and I'm not talking about in church. <laughs> not that one where you say, how you doing? Oh, blessed and highly favored of the Lord. No, like I'm talking about like the words that are in your car when you're sitting there with you and your wife on the way home afterwards. Those are the words that I'm talking about. The words and the thoughts that are rolling through your head when nobody else is around. That's the words and the thoughts that I'm talking about. Evaluate those. And I promise you'll find out if your desires are lined up within the boundaries of what God wants for you. And I think there's a couple ways we can do that. I, I think there's three really practical ways if you want to know how do we check desire and get it within the right boundaries. Know the word of God, number one. If you don't know it, start reading it. Get into a Bible study that can teach you. Digging Deep is now 8.30 on Sunday morning. So now you can go to that and then come to 10 o'clock service if you want to. Listen to me. You have no excuse. Read it, learn it, understand it, and put it in your mind. Because if you get it in your mind, it's going to get into your heart and come out of your mouth. But guess what will happen if you don't do that? If you don't get it into your mind, it won't get into your heart and it won't come out of your life. I think too many of us are regurgitating what we watched on Netflix or Amazon Prime Video and, and binge watched instead of spending time in God's word and letting that come out of our life instead. You want to know how else we can get our desires lined up within the boundaries of God? It's called the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. In fact, Scripture says against those things, there is no law. <laughs> like, like, you do those things, you got it. So you want to know if that thought or if that desire fits within the Word of God and within the boundaries of God? It, does it honor part of the fruit of the Spirit? If it's not loving, nope. If it doesn't bring peace or joy, nope. If you're not saying it in a way that's gentle and kind, nope. One more boundary for our desires. Really practical. It, it's just called the golden rule. Treat people the way you want to be treated. If, if you acted on that desire and you would want people to treat you the same way with that desire, there's a good chance it's what God wants. But if you act on that desire and it would make you mad or hurt you or offend you if somebody else treated you that way, that desire ain't God's. And it needs to go. Why? Because if we can guard our thoughts, we can guard our heart. But the only way to guard your heart is to get your thoughts protected. Listen, nothing gets into your heart without first going through your head. And there's a reason why scripture talks so much about letting our thoughts be renewed by Christ. is because if we don't get that right, so many other things go wrong including our desires. And we desire so many things, but the reality is Christ also had desires. And so I want us to hear, when we talk about Jesus, we're not talking about a savior that doesn't understand the desires that we fight because he went through battle with desires at time too. And he had good desires, right? John three sixteen said that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have 
everlasting life. That, that Jesus had a desire to see you and I saved, and he was so passionate about that desire that in God's timing and within the boundary of his will and word, he gave himself as a sacrifice for you and me so that we could be saved. He desired us. The second Timothy 2.4 literally says that, um, give me one second. There it is. He tells us that, that he desires for all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That Jesus has a desire for everybody to be saved. Everybody. Everybody. But it also talks in scripture about how Jesus wrestled with desire. Matthew 26. In the Garden of Gethsemane. In a really transparent and vulnerable moment, Jesus knew what was coming on the cross. And there was this desire inside of him that came out in a prayer to his father. And he said, Lord, if there's any other way that this cup could pass from me. But there was a desire like he was not looking forward to what was coming. And there was a desire in that moment to step outside of the timing of God to step outside of the will of God. But in that moment, he took that desire and he lined it up with the timing of God. And he took that desire and he lined it up with the will of God. And he prayed those words, but not my will, but thy will be done. He, he understands what it's like to wrestle with the desires that live in our heart. But he also understands how to come out victorious on the other side. And the same spirit, scripture says, that raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives inside of you and me. And we do not have to be subject to the desires that we feel. But in fact, we can make those desires subject to the timing and the will and the purpose of God if we trust him and let his Holy Spirit work through us in those moments. If we submit those to his timing. If we get our desires in alignment with his timing and the boundaries that he set with his will and word, there's nothing that could stop us. But there's also nothing that will take you down faster than a desire that's outside of God's timing and outside of God's will. And there's scriptural evidence from Genesis all the way to Revelation of people who had desires that did not fit the timing of God nor the will of God. And they fell because of it. If we don't learn to get those desires right, I promise you the enemy is more than willing to use those desires to take you down. We've got to line those things up with, the, with him. We get them in alignment. We'll get them in the right spot. It's, it's interesting. This, a couple of weeks ago, um, I'm coming to a realization. Uh, the older that I get, I'm not as young as I once was, Right? Which I love standing on the front porch and greeting some of you guys because some of you shake my hand and you're like, good morning, young man. And I'm like, 41, like young man still, I'll take it. And then like some of you like 16 year olds shake my hand. And you're like, old man, got gray in the beard. I'm like, yes. <clears throat> we had a staff fun day a couple of weeks ago, right down in the arena, man. We rented a inflatable human foosball game. 
to play with staff. Like people get in and instead of sticks that you spin with people on them, you are the people on a stick and you play human foosball and try to kick it in the goal. It is so much fun. And in fact, it was fun for everybody except one person, <laughs> my wife. <laughs> Because the very first game, in the middle of a game, she was trying to kick the ball with her right foot, and I don't know what happened, but her left foot did not keep up with what the rest of her body was doing, and her leg buckled, and she went over, and her ACL just poof, like gone. Popped her ACL. And she learned in that moment, it's time to retire from human foosball forever again. And I don't think she'll come out of retirement after that one. And so we went to the doctor this past Friday and we were having a conversation with uh, the ortho, the surgeon, uh, and, and working to schedule her surgery here in a couple of weeks. And what I enjoyed though was the conversation with him because, because one, he gave us options. Like he said, we, you don't have to have surgery, but, but just know that if you choose not to have surgery, that it may create some limitations for you in life as you go. Because the ACL, uh, while it's uh, no bigger than a quarter to a half an inch ligament in your knee, uh, is a very important ligament inside of your knee. <laughs> um, what it does is it stabilizes your knee. It brings stability that when it's gone, you can ask her. Without that brace on, I'm telling you, man, she, she can just buckle and go down again. Why? Because, because that ligament was made to stabilize things. And so she's going to get it repaired. Why? Because, because she knows that in the short term, it's going to be a bit of an inconvenience, but in the long term, it's going to create a more stable outcome for her in life. Hear me. Our, our knees are kind of like our desires. And, and God's timing and his word and his will are kind of like the ligaments in our knee that help stabilize everything. Like, like so many times we go through life, but we try to do it without God's will, out of his time, do it our way. And we don't think about how unstable we make ourselves until we fall down and hurt ourselves again. And I think some of us know that we've got some desires that we need to get rid of and get out of our life. We're just not willing to go through the pain of surgery, of letting those things go and giving them to God so he could stabilize us again. And I'm here to tell you, how much longer do you want to keep living with pain in your life? You keep doing things your way in your time, the way you think is best, and you keep ending up with a bum knee because nothing's working out. Maybe it's time to let Jesus do some surgery on your life. You give your life to him and see if he doesn't bring some stability to your life instead of doing it your way. He wants to. He wants to help us. The question is, are we willing to let our desires go until they line up with God and his desires for us? Because we often look at scripture and think, man, God is trying to keep all this stuff from me. And he's like, no, 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 no. I gave you these boundaries because if you get this right, it's going to be the best life you could possibly have. You can have your life or you can have the best life, but you can't have them both. But it starts by letting Jesus do surgery in our life.
Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've been running from God, doing the things that you want to do. You've tried it in your timing. You've tried it your way. And all it has continued to create for you is headaches and heartaches and frustrations. Hear me. Maybe today it's time to give your life to Christ. And if you would submit your life to him, I am convinced that he will come in and do a work and begin to bring peace and joy where the enemy has brought worry and frustration. He will bring strength to your life where you feel weak. He will bring gentleness to your life where you feel a storm happening. But you got to give your life to him. So if that's you, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus before. Or maybe you made a decision a long time ago, but you know you've just not been living for him. And so today you want to make a new commitment to Jesus. If that is you, would you slip your hand up so that we could put a Bible in your hand and pray with you? Keep your hand up. They're bringing you a Bible. They're going to put it in your hand. And once they do, you can put your hand down. Anybody else? If you raised your hands, would you, would you mind looking up at me? Would, would you mind to come up here and let me pray with you this morning? I'm not trying to embarrass you at all. We just want to celebrate with you and be a part of, of praying with you and stepping into this new life that Jesus wants for you. Come on now. Proud of you. What's your name again? Remind me. Camp Burns. What? Camp. Camp. And Bill. Come on. And Aubrey and Krista. Listen to me. Come on. And Catalina. That's right. Listen, hear me. Everybody was clapping and celebrating with you because this is a moment where heaven celebrates. That's what scripture tells us. Nobody's judging you. Nobody's looking at you thinking, oh, I can't believe they're celebrating because we've all taken this same walk and had this same moment. And the reality is it's because it's the best decision of your life. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It doesn't matter what happened before this moment. All that matters now is from this moment forward, Christ is going to change your life and he's going to write a new ending to whatever your story is. See, so many times we think the story's already written. No, 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 no. <laughs> it may be written up to this moment, but there's still chapters that are waiting to be written. And Jesus is going to start writing some new chapters from your lives after today. I believe that with all my heart. So I want to invite you to pray with me today. I want to invite all of you to pray with me. There's nothing magical about it, but if you mean it, and I believe you do, that Jesus is going to do a work in your life, and he's going to begin to write that new story. Can we pray together? Let's do it. Say, dear Jesus, I need you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins and to help me live for you. Take my desires and make them your desires. 
Jesus, I love you. Help me to love you more and to live for you with all of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to to hear me today. This is the moment where everything begins, not ends. This wasn't the last step, it's the first step. Because now you don't have to go through life on your own anymore. Now you get to walk through it with Jesus. In your heart, Jesus in your life. But even more special too is you get to go through life with us. Like we want to be your family. You are now part of our family. And we want to help you keep growing in this moment and keep growing into what Christ wants from you and for you more than what he wants from you. And so let us help you. Know that the enemy is going to try to knock you down, but don't stay down. That's the difference between people that don't follow Jesus and do. The only difference for people to follow Jesus is they get back up again and run after Jesus when they get knocked down. I'm going to encourage you when the enemy tries to knock you down, get back up and run to Jesus. Don't run from him. And let us help you do that. Would you go over there and let those guys, they just want to get a little information from you and we want to try to help you keep growing. Lone Star, can we celebrate with them? Can we stand all across this place? All right, now is the time for us, right? How many of you would say, man, there's, there's some desires in my life that, that I recognize don't match God's desires for my life? That maybe they're not his timing, like maybe it is God's desire, but I keep trying to force that window to open and God keeps telling me not yet. Uh, Or maybe they're just a desire that does not belong in your life because it does not fit within the boundaries of God's word and how he's called us to live. But but today you want to give those desires to him so that you can line them up with his will. How many of you would say that's me? All across this place. Can we keep those hands up and just let this be our moment of, of prayer and commitment to the Lord this morning? Father, I thank you for every hand that's raised. For every desire that's represented by those hands, God, that that maybe it is a desire that lives in us, that is your desire, God, but it's not your time yet. Give us the patience and give us the heart to prepare for the moment that you're creating for us, God, so that when the timing is right, we can step into it and accomplish the will that you've created us to do. But God, for for us that are wrestling too with desires that we know they're not yours, God. They don't honor you. They're not part of your word. Maybe they come from hurts in the past or bitterness in the past or frustration or whatever sins or things that we may be chasing after trying to find a way to justify those desires. God, may we lay those things down before you and give them to you. And may you rewrite history. May you rewrite legacies. May families' legacies be forever changed by the decisions that were made here today. May eternity be shaped in a different way because of the decisions that were made today to give you desires that don't belong in our life. And Holy Spirit, please come in. Line our desires up with you. And the ones that don't belong, clean house and get them out. And put the right desires inside of us that do belong. Jesus, we love you. We ask it all in your name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Listen, our prayer team is up here. If you would like somebody to pray with you this morning, please come down. Let one of them pray with you today. Otherwise, we love you. We'll see you back next week.